Good morning. Man, what a great day to worship with you guys. In case you don't know, my name is Kyle, and we're so glad that each of you are here today. And uh, man, it's just a joy uh, to be with you. So I was 12 years old, and we were rolling in the family ride, which for us was the 1988 Caprice Classic Brahm with the velvet seats. And uh, in the back seat with me uh, is my fellow 12-year-old, Brian Stewart, my best friend. And in the front seat, uh, my mom's driving. And in the passenger seat up front is my 15-year-old sister. And we roll up to John's IGA. And my sister gets out with a little short list of things that she needs to get for my mom to come back and go to the house. She hops out. She walks by. And my best friend, Brian, says, I'm going to marry that girl one day. And my mom quickly quipped, boy, you wouldn't know what love is if it bit you on the end of the nose. And that's the question, right? What, what is love? What does it look like? How do we know for sure what it is? Well, we were 12. Let me back up for just a moment and give you some thoughts from some kids that are even younger than that as to what love is, all right? Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. That is from a six-year-old little girl named Chrissy. All right. Next, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Terry, age four. Next one, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. That's Danny, age seven. Five-year-old, he says, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Bobby. This next one, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. Noel, age seven. (laughs) Uh, Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day. Marianne, age four. It's pretty deep. I'm serious. Next, when you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. (laughs) That's what Karen, age seven, said. Uh, A couple more. Uh, You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it, but if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. That's good, isn't it? Jessica, age seven. Next. This is from an eight-year-old girl named Rebecca. When When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Those are pretty beautiful, aren't they? Um, I would maybe argue that some of these kids maybe have a deeper, fuller understanding of love than maybe some of us who are adults who have kind of just gotten in this whirlwind of life and maybe we've forgotten what it is or maybe we just don't know. 
there's a word that I think gets attached to um, our idea of love today in our culture, and it's not a good word. It's not, it's not something that ought to be attached to love at all, but I think a word that describes a lot of love that we interact with, uh, perceive, or think that we have today is superficial. Superficial. There's two words that I think should always be connected to love, and I think as we look into God's Word today, we're going to see them coming out of this love that we need and that we're desperate for. And I would encourage you to write these two words down. The first word is supernatural, and the second word is sacrificial. Supernatural and sacrificial. Uh, real love's not superficial. Real love is supernatural, and real love is sacrificial. Today is going to be one of those sermons where you are going to be strongly tempted to think to yourself, man, I wish that JoJo were here today. Man, they really need to hear what he's up there talking about today. You're going to be tempted to think that this sermon today is for somebody else. I'm here to tell you on the front end, this sermon's not for them, it's for you. So you might just want to whisper to yourself right now, this sermon's for me. I'll give you a second, all right? All right. 1 John chapter 4, let's begin in verse number 7 in this series called Love Illuminated in 1 John. Again, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Dear friends, and what we've got going on here is John, who is writing. He has this affection for people of God. He's called us children. He's called us brothers and sisters. And in this phrase right here, he's calling us friends just to speak in the relationship that we have. And here's what he says. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. There is an assumption on John's part that if we are his friends in Jesus, that if we are his brothers and sisters in Jesus, that we have experienced God's love and therefore we have been loving others and that we are going to continue to love others. He's not writing to believers to say, hey, you bunch of people of God, you've never experienced the love of God and you haven't been loving people. He's assuming since we're his brother, since we're his sister, that we know the love of God, that we've been loving people through the love of God and that we're going to continue to love one another. It's just who we are as believers. We have been loved and so we love. Look what it goes on to say in verse number 7. It says, For love comes from God. And so this is not like a letter delivered by the mailman. We're talking about the source, okay? The one from whom it literally comes. God is the um, not just giver of love, but he is the resource and the source of love itself. It's who he is. Like the sun gives light, God gives love. And all real love has its source in God. Last week, if you were here, we talked about how God's love is exotic. In other words, it's not from here. It's from a foreign land. It's way too expensive for you to purchase. You don't have the ability to earn it or to get it on your own. It can only be imported, and it's so priceless that it can only be given to you. That is the exotic love of God, the love of God. God. It can only be received as he has been willing to give it. Look at the last part of verse number seven. 
Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Verse number eight. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So again, just some incredibly um, powerful things being declared here. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God uh, and does not love does not know God. When we talk about knowing God, we're not talking about knowing about God. There's a lot of people that know about God. We're talking about having an experiential knowledge of him, a relationship with him, interaction with him. We literally know him as he has expressed himself to us and we have interacted with him by faith. We know him and how we know him is through his love in us and for us. And as a result of knowing God, we don't just simply know God, but we show God by loving others. So we better figure out what real love is. It says there at the end of verse number 8 that God is love. You've got to be very careful. When you think about love and you think about God being love, you've got to be careful not to impose your idea and or your definition of love upon God. We need to look at God and get his example and expression of love for others so that we can know. So God is love. We can't say that love is God, okay? Love is not God. God is love. There's a difference. Again, God is love. Love is not God, but God is love. Everything that God does is loving. Now, that does not mean that you're going to agree with everything that God does. That does not mean you're going to approve of everything that God loves, but that's our superficial way of learning, uh, loving, right? Like, if you really love me, you'll do this for me. If you really love me, you'll give me this. If you really love me, da-da-da-da-da, like, you know, childhood, right? Like how we used to work that system, right? God says, no, 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 I'm going to love and I'm going to express my love. Sometimes you're not even going to like it. Sometimes you're not going to approve it. Sometimes you're going to question it, but I am real love. That's who he is, and he expresses it to us. And to say that everything that God does is loving, it's important to note that everything that happens in my world and your world is not the result of God doing it. Let me, let me pause here for just a moment, all right? Pain and suffering in this world are not coming from the hands of God. They are coming from the evils and the power and the devastation of sin. There are things that I've experienced in my life that are painful and hard and it causes me to suffer and it goes back to some evil choices that I've made in my life. There has been some pain and some suffering in my life that has been the result of someone else making a sinful decision. That is not God. That is us choosing our sin, and it brings about this pain and this hurt. It's the reason why we need the love of God. It's the reason why we need for him to express his love to us. So when it comes to love, the conversation doesn't start with a definition. It doesn't start with a philosophical idea. It, it has to be around a person. Look at verse number 9. Verse number 9. God showed. God demonstrated. God expressed Okay, how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through 
him. And so God doesn't just say that he loves us, he shows that he loves us. And as he shows that he loves us, he gives us what is most precious to him, his one and only son. He says, I'm going to allow my son to leave my presence and to go to be in your presence in the midst of all of your sin and all of your chaos and all of your brokenness so that you can experience my love. Again, love's not an idea. Love is not good intentions. Love is a person, and his name is Jesus. So if you really want to see the love of God, if you really want to experience the love of God, if you really want to um, um, have the love of God, it is found in Jesus. And the love of Jesus is this type of real love that seeks the best for others even when it means sacrifice and great cost to himself. That is who Jesus is. Look at verse number 10. This is real love. Wow, look at those two words. Real love. Not fake love, not concocted love, not maybe it's... This is real, authentic love. Not that we loved God. So, in other words, what we're saying here is that my natural bent and your natural bent is not to love God. We didn't show up here on this earth um, having to um, be taught how to do bad things. We showed up here on this earth having to be taught to do good things. We didn't naturally find ourselves wanting to obey God, serve God, um, uh, regard God, respect God, um, love God. It's just not who we were. So here's what it says. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice. And there's that huge, powerful word, as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God loved us even when we didn't love him. Man, God loved us even when we didn't love him. He is the initiator of this love that we are speaking about. He didn't say, well, I'm going to wait on them to do this, and I'm going to wait on them to do that, and then I'm going to love them. No, he sent his one and only son even when we didn't love him, even when we weren't for him, even when we didn't care about him. This is the type of love that God has for us, this real love. Real, real love shows up when it's needed. Real love is sacrificial. Real love is there even when it's not wanted. <laughs> Real love is there when it's not deserved. Real love is Jesus. Now, I think we could agree that there's a lot of people out there that are running around. I mean, literally running around. Every kind of way you can think of running around looking for love. And what I want you to, tell, what I want you to know this morning, what I want you to get, because you may just may be one of those people that's running around looking for it. You are loved by God, fully, completely, totally, infinitely loved by God. He loves you no matter what you have done. Some of you need to hear this this morning. God loves you even when you make bad, sinful choices. Some of you need to hear that this morning. God loves you in the midst of what you have recently done. He loves you. Some of you need to hear this. God loves other people who make bad, sinful choices. It's how he is. It's who he is. It's what he does. You are so loved by him that he sent his son, his one and only, Jesus Christ, to die in your place. If you're a parent, 
Can you, can, you even, can you even think down that road for a second? Giving up your child for the sake of another? And this is what our Father God did for us in Jesus. Giving up his one and only son. Not sending him here to live, but literally sending him here to die. And his death on the cross paid for my sins and paid for your sins. And it paid for their sins. And remove the barrier between us and God so that we could fully experience the love that he has for us. He did this so that he could express, demonstrate, show, give, deliver his love to us rather than delivering his wrath. That's what we deserve from God is his wrath. But he says, I don't want to give you my wrath. I want to give you my love. I'm not just going to tell you I want to give you my love. I'm going to show you my love. I'm going to demonstrate it in Jesus so that you don't have to experience that wrath, so that you can experience forgiveness and grace and love in me. Listen, you are loved in such a huge way by God that when you figure it out and believe it and receive it, you'll spend the rest of your life trying to understand it. That's how big God's love is. So for just a moment, if you're a believer and you recognize God's love through Jesus and you've placed your faith in him and you have experienced his forgiveness and his love and everything that flows out of that and his grace and in his mercy and you are overwhelmed by it and you have received it and experienced it but you can't fully understand it, like just take a moment right now just to acknowledge how vast, how huge, how marvelous and how wonderful God's love really is is. Think about all the things that he's loved you in spite of. Are you with me? I'm one of those people who are like, I don't know why I'm still walking around. I don't know why God and his righteousness didn't like, pew, zap me a long time ago. I've done some things that are just horrible. And yet God continually, kindly, and graciously gives me, gives you his grace and his mercy. Look at verse number 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, how much? He just described it to us. He loved us so much that he gave us Jesus. He loved us so much that there was a sacrifice of his very son, okay? So since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. This is not us trying to concoct something. This is us living out who we are. That if we've been loved that much, we are capable of loving others. This is what he has created us to do. It's what he's designed us to do. It's what our new nature is. Just like a fish ought to swim in the water and a bird ought to fly in the sky. God's children, we God's people, Christians, we ought to love other people. That's what we're called to do. That's what we've been changed to do. That's what we were redeemed to do. Listen, when you got saved, yes, your eternal destination changed. You're no longer going to hell. You're going to heaven. But I'm here to tell you, he gave you a new nature, and it was to love other people now. To love other people now. So, big idea. You got it on your notes. You're going to see it in the screen. We are loved by God. So, we love others. We have been loved and therefore we love. We have experienced love and so we share this love. We are loved by God so we love others. As we think about loving other people, 
Okay, we're moving now from talking about God loving us and how huge that is and how massive that is. And I didn't do a decent job of describing it. We just scratched the surface. But as we, we shift this towards, okay, I've got this love. Now I've got to love others. Let me give you some words that come to mind for me that when it talks about me loving other people, okay, what that looks like, how that starts happening, what real love for me and for others looks like. And I'm going to be the first to tell you, I've got all kinds of room to grow. God's got to teach me. God's got to shape me. God's got to get rid of some stuff. God's still got to do some stuff. And I'm going to start it with a big one, the big P word off the top when I think about loving others, patient. I'm not, but I think God is working in me to love other people. And that love is expressed through being patient. Here's some more words that I think flow out of the love of God through us. Being kind. Kind. Sounds kind of small, but it's absolutely huge. Forgiving. Wow. Gracious. This next word sounds cheap, but I think it's absolutely massive. Nice. I just think that God wants Christians to be nice. Are you with me? Like not nasty, not mean, not conniving, but just nice. That's what he is calling us to do. Respectful. Knowing who to speak to and how to speak to them. Knowing what not to say and when not to. Just being respectful of others. Thoughtful. Selfless. And generous. And there's a bunch more words we could put on this list when we think about God loving us and therefore how we love other people. But I'm here to tell you that when we love others, okay, as believers, when we love others, whether it's another believer that we're loving or it's someone that's not a believer that we're loving, okay, we are in that moment experiencing and enjoying who we are in Jesus. I'm going to repeat that. When we love other people, we are enjoying and experiencing who we are in Christ. It's what he created you and redeemed you to do. Look at verse number 12. No one's ever seen God. In other words, um, let's think back like Old Testament. This story is about the best I've got to kind of illustrate what's going on here. when We talk about not seeing God. Like, in other words, God's never fully revealed himself uh, to uh, any human being. And I think there's a big reason for that. I think that God is so holy, so righteous, so mighty, that if he were to do that, here we are in humanity, I think it would just annihilate us in the moment. That's what I think about God's presence. And so in the Old Testament, Moses, he goes up, you know, Charlton Heston, he goes up into the mountain, and he's going up there to get the Ten Commandments, and he makes this bold, incredible request of God. He said, God, I just want, I want to get a peek. I want to get a sneak peek. I want, to, I want to see you. I want to see you. It's a bold request. And God said, here's what I'll do for you. You go behind behind that rock and let me kind of just kind of come by you and you can just kind of catch a little bit of the radiance of my back. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a sneak of my back, but you got to be over there behind the rock. And so God does this for Moses Moses comes down the mountain after that experience, and all of God's people, a couple million, I'm like, yo, Moses, dude, you got to do something. We cannot look at you. We cannot, we cannot behold you. There is a brightness about you right now. There is a radiance about you right now. And they told an old man to put a veil over his face. Think about that for just a minute. Normally, it's only young, beautiful women walking down an aisle that have a veil over their face, right? 
old man, got to put a veil over his face because of the beauty and the glory of God had shone upon him. And the people couldn't even behold Moses after him seeing God. But look what it says. It says, no one's ever seen God, but if, two big words, but, and then this if, for instance, if, if you gave me a million dollars, I would be a millionaire. That's a big if, right? Right? If. If is a huge, huge word, right? Like if I could run really fast or if I could jump really high or I could shoot a basketball really, really good or if I could, you know, there's all these ifs, ifs, ifs. Here's what it says, but if, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. I want you to put this together, and I want you to get what Simeon said here in verse number 12. No one's ever seen God. In other words, God cannot, because of his power, his glory, his holiness, he can't just like show up today in all of his glory because it would just wipe us out. It just would. He says, but you've experienced my love, and the reason why you've experienced my love is because I've expressed my love to you in Jesus. Jesus came down here. He was God in the flesh. He took on human form. That's the reason why people could be around him, because he set aside some things, and he took on human form, and there is God in the flesh, Jesus, and he expressed his love to us from the Father through the sacrifice and through the work on the cross. And so we've experienced the love of Jesus in our hearts by faith. And here's what it says. If, if, because we've had that love expressed to us, if we, God's people, start loving each other, it's going to reveal that God lives in us. And then it goes on to say, and his love is brought to full expression in us. We have this opportunity and this responsibility and this privilege to reveal the very expression of God's love to other people because we have experienced it and we love other people. Guess what we're doing? We're expressing God's love to other people. I'm going to challenge you this morning. Listen to me. I'm going to, I'm going to say this right now. There are a lot of people out there who will become followers of Jesus if the followers of Jesus would act like followers of Jesus. Jesus, man, that's great. Love him. He's all about love. He gives us this grace. He does the cross thing. He does the resurrection thing. Wow. But, man, I see how his people act, and I don't want any of it. Jesus said they will know that you're my followers by your love for one another. Oh, listen, the encouragement from the Word of God this morning is that we've been loved by God, and therefore the result of that is we love others. So God used Jesus to express his love to us, to demonstrate his love to us. God is choosing in his great wisdom and incredible um, understanding and foresight to use me and to use you to express his love to others today. It's massive. So, we are loved by God, so we love others. I want you to look now to, back to chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. Check out, verse number, check out verse number 16. Okay, You're familiar with John chapter, six, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Here's what it says. We know what real love is. So, in other words, if we're believers, if we're children of God, we're not wondering what real love is. 
We're not trying to find it. We've experienced it. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. We know what sacrificial love looks like. We've tasted it. We've experienced it. We have it. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Verse 17. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? They say they love God, but they're not showing that they love God. They say they love others, but they're not showing that they love others. Drop down to verse number 23. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So before we read the rest of it, this, this is step one. This is, this is where some of you are right now. You, you have not crossed the threshold of faith yet in Jesus. And he is calling you even this morning to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And by placing your faith in Jesus, for you to first in all of your life fully experience God's love for you with him forgiving you of your sin, making you righteous and making you clean so that you can one day go to heaven so that you can experience love now. That's what step number one looks like in following Jesus is in believing him. And listen, if you haven't believed in Jesus yet, we are praying that you will believe in Jesus because you will experience the love that we have experienced, the love that has forgiven us, the love that has changed us, the love that is shaping us, the love that is moving us. And so if that's where you are today and you haven't believed in his son, Jesus Christ, and you haven't crossed that line of faith, we want you to cross that line of faith. Today, the word of God says today is the day of salvation. It could be your day to experience this love and this salvation. Again, verse number 23, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. If you've done that, if you've crossed that line of faith and you're like, yep, been there, done that, experienced it, got it, he is in me. Here's what it says. And love one another just as he commanded. So what am I supposed to be doing if I've crossed the line of faith in Jesus? I'm supposed to follow Jesus. What does following Jesus look like? It looks like loving others. It looks like loving others. If we want other people to experience the love that we have, we have to share that Love. It's what we are called to do. So some of you this morning, you're potentially here, and you're like, man, I, I feel like God's growing me in that area, and I feel like I've been taking on uh, the encouragement from God's word to love others, and, and I've been loving them. I even loved them the other day, right? You know, who, you know them, right? Um, you know, and so... I don't know who it is that's challenging for you, but you've been growing there to love them. Maybe, you know, they're part of your family, yeehaw. Or maybe they, you know, are a co-worker and you have to go to work with them every single day and they're just challenging and it's hard and you're, you're just choosing to love them the way Jesus loved you. And you're encouraged today to hear all this and experience all this. But there's some of us this morning, we're like, man, I guess I'm just going to leave here feeling guilty today because I believed in Jesus, but there's a, just a bunch of people I just don't want to be around. I say this all the time. Life would be really, really easy if it weren't for people. Right? People. It's what makes life messy. It's also what makes life worth living. 
And he's giving us the key to it, and the key is loving others the way we've been loved by Jesus. And if you're not loving others the way you've been loved by Jesus, I'm not telling you that so that you'll feel guilty. I'm telling you that because that's what God wants you to do, and he wants to change you in that way. And if you've experienced Jesus, he's going to give you the supernatural ability to do that because you've experienced this supernatural love. You've got to be connected to Jesus so that you can love those. So again, if you haven't crossed that line of faith, you need to cross that line and say, I believe that Jesus came for me. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus came back from the dead for me. I believe that Jesus can forgive me. Jesus, you are my Savior. I'm asking you to be mine. And that unlocks the door to this love that he demonstrated for us. Understand the truth of this declaration and this, um, this calling that God's got on your life, okay? It's life-changing. Again, we are loved by God, so we love others. It's just this, that's who we are now. We've been loved, and since we are loved, that's who we are. We are loved. We love others. God's love was demonstrated for us, and so we share, we demonstrate, we express this love to others. Listen, this type of love that we're talking about and this type of love that we're experiencing in Jesus, when we begin to share it, it'll change our homes. It'll change the way we parent. It'll change your attitude. It will change your future. By the way, my best friend, Brian Stewart, I guess he really didn't know what love was after all because he's my brother-in-law now. He did marry that girl one day. And I don't know if love will bite you on the end of the nose, but I'm here to tell you, love has come. And his name is Jesus. He loves you fully, completely, and totally. In spite of what you have done or have not done. In spite of how good you feel about yourself or how bad you feel about yourself. In spite of what your relationship with others has looked like or not. Regardless of what your reputation has been. He declares that he loves you. And he declared it fully and finally on the cross. Through the death of his one and only son. To say I love you. You. He loves you that much. Some next steps to consider as we wrap up our time this morning. Maybe for you it's just to receive the love of God. Maybe you, again, have never stepped across that line of faith and received what God has for you in Jesus. Maybe you've known about God, but you haven't ever known God. There's only one way to know God. There's only one way to God, and his name is Jesus. And he's offering you this open door today that is expressed through him And you can receive him and experience him today. And man, we would just be overjoyed if you experienced that today. Maybe your next step this morning is to share the love of God. i got a couple blanks here. I don't know who that is that you need to share the love of God with. Where you just realize they need to be loved. And God's calling me to love them. And maybe they're seemingly one of those unlovable people or Uh, Maybe even harder, unlikable people, right? I don't know which one's harder, to love someone who's unlovable or to love someone who's unlikable. I don't know. It's a challenge either way. I just said, man, life's messy, right, when it comes to people. But when we love people, that's when it gets beautiful. And so who do you need to share the love of God with? And then by, like, how? How do you need to do that? What do you need to do this week to express God's love 
from you to them. Maybe it's spending some time with them. Maybe it's just uh, reaching out to them. Maybe it's forgiving them. Maybe it's giving something to them. Maybe it's having a conversation with them. I don't know, but like, what do you need to do? God wants to use you. He wants to use you to demonstrate his love. And the next, um, memorize an exercise, 1 John 3 and verse 16. You're like, man, can we just drop that number one in front of it? Because I already know John chapter 3, verse 16, right? Throw a little curveball here. Maybe spend some time in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, just memorizing it and asking God to help you to exercise it. As he has supernaturally loved you, ask him to help you supernaturally love other people. And man, I'm just telling you, there are a lot of people that are sitting around right now that need to experience what you have in Jesus. And what you have in Jesus is God's incomparable love. Let's pray.